Looking to the window of my mind Reflections of the fears I know I've left behind I step out of the ordinary I can feel my soul ascending I'm on Stop me now, and you can do the same, yeah. What have you done today to make you feel proud? It's never too late to try. What have you done today to make you feel proud? Hello again. Welcome back to my latest. Welcome back to. Welcome to my latest podcast. I'm Barry Dor, and this is from my leadership. Uh, reflections collection of podcasts i am trying to make these podcasts as succinct and short as possible i think 15 minute bites are quite good um there are so many podcasts around at the moment as you know i'm sure you know because i'm sure you're listening regularly to podcasts and it's really difficult to find your place in that crowded market so i think short snappy podcasts about anything to do with leadership on a regular basis probably every week if i can is where i want to be um i'd love to get some feedback you can messenger me or email me at barry at and just tell me um, what you like about the podcast, what you don't like, what, what, you, what you want to hear, what it could be differently, anything you like. Anyway, enough of that. Today's podcast is called Get Out of the Echo Chamber. Get Out of the Echo Chamber. And it's to challenge anybody to say you cannot always spend all your time with people who agree with you. It's wonderful though, isn't it, to be surrounded by people who agree with you. It can be comfortable, uh, means you're not being challenged over things. So many examples of this. I'm very guilty of it. My Facebook feed, for example, my friends all seem to agree have my point of view. Also, seem to be fairly politically aligned with me, etc. So, when Brexit was on, I was um, in despair and uh, putting up posts about how we should be not leaving and uh, putting up posts in, in favour of Remain. Um, I got very little negative feedback, and I wondered why. And I guess it's because uh, my whole Facebook friends group basically agreed with me. I think there were two people who didn't, um, and I couldn't believe it when we lost the votes because. <laughs> Everybody I talk to agree with me. There you go. I think it's uh, too, too often too, it happens. Um, we recruit too often in our own image. So you recruit for a new role and you're looking for somebody who's very, very similar, who um, is in your um, image, if you like. And we miss out so much if we do that. And at work, maybe people don't like being challenged, especially by more junior people. I think that's especially true people I come across in the uh, charity sector and in particular in the environmental sector. There you've got so many people who are committed to the cause. They are passionate about changing the course of global warming, about biodiversity, reversing biodiversity loss, etc. And they are surrounded by people who furiously agree with them. And time and time again, their conversations are based with people who furiously agree with them. And it's safe to do so, but it's too much safety stifles progress. Because there are lots of people who don't agree or understand your messages. And if you want to do something, they're the people you've got to influence. They're the people you've got to change. There's so many examples of this where it, where it works. But um, the um, person who founded the uh, conservation charity that I chair, which is the Osprey Leadership Foundation, was Tim McCrill. Um, and he uh, was responsible for um, doing the white-tailed eagles uh, relocation, bringing white-tailed eagles back into England after so long away, after so many centuries 
uh, where they were extinct in England and reintroducing them on the south coast of England and they found the Isle of Wight was the ideal place. Now when they first broached the subject with people on the Isle of Wight, safe of the knowledge that other environmentalists thought it was a great idea, they met with much resistance from other people, can I say ordinary people. People were really worried about what was going to happen. And if they'd just left it at that, it's very unlikely that the, um, the uh, white-tailed eagles would have made a reintroduction to the Isle of Wight. But instead, Tim was willing to take the time to engage people, go to countless meetings, tell people what's happening, put them at rest, persuade them that this was something that was good. And those efforts paid off. The um, reintroduction was agreed, but if Tim had stayed in his echo chamber, that wouldn't have happened. The reason I wrote the, did the podcast today is um, that, that one of the people who is a evolving conservation leader within our Osprey Leadership Foundation um, posted something on our site the other day. I just thought, perfectly summed up getting out of the echo chamber. She said, this is Sarah, she said, I just want to share with you a recent experience. I was invited to a summit with people from the grouse shooting industry last week. As a real wilder, wilder and someone very unfamiliar with grouse shooting, I was apprehensive. I went anyway as I realised it was important to talk to others from across different sectors and industries. I even had second thoughts on the train journey up. But these people manage a lot of land, so are an important group to interact to act with and potentially influence. It's like walking into the enemy camp, she says. I'm so glad I went. I learned that they were just as scared of me as I was of them. Everyone in the room cared about nature conservation, even if they saw it in different ways. They were open to being challenged and are worried about losing their industry. I went to listen and learn a lot. I didn't walk in and tell them what to do. We had a conversation about differing viewpoints. My take-home is the importance of listening to others, even if you disagree. It takes the conversation away from social media. Treating others with respect will pave the way for change. She, she concludes it's a baby step in conservation and may not lead anywhere. But for me, it's given me great experience at developing my leadership skills. It shows that sometimes you have to step out of your comfort zone and the conservation uh, echo chamber. I think that is so true. I think it is, that is the ideal perfect example that I'm trying to get across today. It's just um, there are so many situations, um, not just in the environment sector, where it's vital to get out there and listen to people who disagree with you. Where appropriate, we need to seek to build longer term relationships. You don't have to agree with somebody to respect them, to build a long term relationship and to look for mutual benefit. Um, truly effective relationships are built on just that, on mutual respect and mutual benefit and on trust. It's not possible every time, but it's always worth pursuing. And you know, delving into other traits, um, it's listening, which is the all-important thing. So get out there. Get out into, don't stick in the echo chamber. Get out there. Back in workplace, as I said before, how often do we recruit to our own image? It feels safe. We won't get challenged. But we need challenge. How can we improve, find new ways of doing things without it? Of course we want people to fit in, to behave in the right way, but we need challenge. Because without challenge, we can't broaden our thoughts. Maybe agree there would be a better way of doing something, move things forward. But often the last thing we want in our teams at work are rebels. Or do we need them? In my new book, um, First Plug, which is um, coming out in July, I'll tell you much more about that nearer the time, um, I define the difference between good and bad rebels. It's important to employ people who are going to challenge you, not always be yes people. We need rebels. But there's a world of difference between a good rebel and a bad rebel. Bad rebels, what do they do? They break rules, obsess about problems, lecture, alienate, point fingers and are me-focused. 
What good rebels do in your team, conversely, is to change rules. Pursue opportunities. Listen. Attract pinpoint attract pinpoint case causes and a mission focus. They're the ones who you do want. There's actually a great graphic online which explores exactly what these good rebels want from their boss. It goes like this. We are not troublemakers, we're motivated to make our organization better. Just turn over the page, sorry. We care about work more than anyone else. That's why we're willing to engage in conflict. We need an environment where it's safe to disagree and challenge the status quo. Love our differences and quirks. We may not be like you, but that's a good thing. Challenge us. Give us the thorniest problems. We want to be stretched. Let's prove our ideas work. But don't give us lip service. Tell us it's like it is. Coach us on how we can navigate organisational politics so we avoid making mistakes. Rebelliousness is a positive behaviour. It's an act of courage and risk-taking. Appreciate us and move mountains for you. I think that's really powerful. I just think it says, as an authentic leader, why would you not want a rebel or two like that in your team? That's the only way we're going to really shake things up. And if you get good rebels, rebels who do things for the best of intentions rather than the worst of intentions, they're the people you want. But also, you know, it works outside work as well. Bring some people into your life who have a differing view to you, maybe politically, but in any other way, have differing views of the world. Enjoy the challenge and debate with them. So if you want to be challenged to see things differently, if you've got to influence people who don't agree with you and achieve to achieve your vision, if you want to be stretched, not spend forever in your comfort zone, get out there, get out of the get out of the echo chamber. I think it's so important. That's about it for today, uh, the echo chamber, and I shall see you again soon. Thank you very much.